cash Sick, moves everything around joint. me. Cream, get the here money. Here I grew up on the crime side, the New York Times side. Staying alive was no job. Had second hands. Moms bounced on old men. So then we moved to Shallon Land. Hey, everybody, Chris Dover here. I am joined with Alex Barrow, our head macro strategist, and Brandon Balo, our heads uh, value investor. I myself, the systems and algorithmic trader. And this is MacroOps. I guess we're going to start calling it like our weekly roundup, our weekly review, our weekly preview, our weekly, was it the macro gaggle? A number of awesome names came out. Weekly there. gathering of friends. <laughs> Love it. That, that is humble and kind of you, Alex. Mm -hmm. that's, uh, that's wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so first week of December and it was a, so far two days in, it's been pretty, pretty fun with, uh, having pretty much, I think a total max adverse excursion that is total, like at furthest that the markets had fallen before recovering intraday down about 4% combined, uh, two days in a row. So two big, ugly, dark candles in the opening of the month, uh, on the most bullish month of the year. So hashtag. Santa Claus rally is trending on Twitter, of course, because why wouldn't it? Um, and the real stuff, like who cares about all that stuff? The real stuff, we got some interesting things happening in um, commodities and currencies. And Alex is going to lead us off with some big macroeconomic thoughts. No pressure, go. Um, yeah, so not much new on that front. Uh, <laughs> The uh, picture's the same as what, what I've been writing about the last couple of months. Um, market, the data looks like it's kind of troughing. It's bottoming out. Um, the ISM numbers that came out this week uh, weren't that bad. It was just sideways. looks like it's basing. You look at the market PMI data, it's making multi-month highs. Um, and that's, going, that's true for emerging markets as well as uh, developed markets. So it looks like <clears throat> momentum starting to shift. Um, and we might see a pickup to the upside going into 2020. Um, I don't, I'm not expecting like a big rally cause there's no juice. You know, we're not getting any major stimulus out of China or Europe yet or the U S so we're not, I'm not expecting like a 2016, um, you know, credit injected infused rally. Um, but also there's, there's nothing looking that, that we're, we're not staring down the barrel of a gun yet. So, um, there's some growing weakness in the labor market, um, but it's still like way too early to start worrying about recession. Uh, in my opinion, financial conditions, liquidity are still extremely loose. Uh, as a whole, the fund managers remain very underpositioned um, relative to where I think we are in the cycle. I mean, there's, there's no reason why this, this, this cycle can't go on another year, two years, three years as right now. I mean, obviously like, you know, I don't, I don't predict that far out in advance. And so um, I will, I will change that opinion quickly if things change, but there's nothing major that's, uh, that's a risk right now. It's just expect really low, slow growth, which happens to be very good for equities. So that's my, that's my big uh, macro take. Um, there's some other dynamics just with like a global asset shortage, which I've written about a little bit. Um, you know, the uh, global monetary base has, something like 10x or something over the last 15 years uh while at the same time 
we've had a, a reduction in the issuance of bonds and stocks. And so you just have more money chasing fewer assets. And that's why, you know, we are where we are in one of the longest um, bull market cycles in history. And so and it's just simple math. Um, that's about it. So what are your thoughts on the volatility of the foreign exchange markets, the currencies? Well, I'm so glad you asked, Chris. Uh, we were just talking about this. Um, I think, and, and I don't know what you're thinking, but uh, I think 2020 is going to be the big year for that Forex markets. Um, G10 Forex is at its most compressed regime right now in history. So if you look at the uh, true range, the annual true range for G10 Forex pairs, um, this year, it's the lowest it's ever been in like 40 years. Um, if you look at the volatility on the Euro, uh, Euro, it's the last two years have been the most compressed years consecutively in history. So it's just really interesting, especially when you consider like everything that's going on. I mean, this is what we were just talking about. I mean, ge ge uh, geopolitically wise, uh, I mean, it's just, it's just crazy. You have all this stuff moving. I mean, um, but FX has just kind of been going nowhere. Um, chopping sideways or slightly down or slightly up, depending on what, you're, what pair you're looking at. Uh, so I think that's really interesting. Um, and uh, like I just wrote about today in one of our, our mark, uh, market notes is, I think next year is going to be really interesting. And then we have the January, January effect, which um, we could talk about, I think, in another, another episode. But the January effect is typically it's like where um, the dollar pairs, typically the euro, um, makes a an annual high or low in january february um it's one of those weird seasonality quirks and there's reasons for it due to like um government central banks corporations repositioning their forex books um and it's not ironclad but it it does work more often than not it has a pretty good track record so it's something worth keeping an eye on considering the compressed volatility regime we're in currently yeah i want to uh I'll, I'll jump on that and take, take you to, there we go. Take you to my screen. And are you guys seeing that Alex and yep. Brandon? Yep. Okay. Yeah, I got it. Um, so broadly you have periods of high volatility and low volatility. One precedes the other. doesn't matter which high volatility precedes low volatility, low volatility precedes high volatility. And the, just the thoughts behind that are low volatility means people are really bored and they're like, not people, I guess, you know, uh, there's not a lot of assets changing positions or changing directions there. Every, everything's been priced in, everybody's positioned, whether it's sovereign wealth funds, whether hedge funds, uh, pensions, uh, high net worth and individual traders. Everybody's pretty much positioned at some point. And, and when you have a period of low volatility, that means that there, nobody else is really making any moves. You make a move, somebody else counters with that move. Like I go buy the pound, somebody sells me the pound. I buy Apple, somebody sells me the uh, Apple. It's not like, you know, I'm buying a, an outlandish number or position size that the market can absorb. When that happens, you have the market, you know, if, if you're buying more than what people are willing to sell, you shoot up, you shoot up rather quickly. Same thing on the downside. But when you have a sideways market, everybody, every, everything's being met. 
And so you're balancing out all that big volatility. And you can see on the pound on my screen here, we had a period of high volatility where we shot up. And then for the last uh, little over a month, we have just gone sideways. So what we, how this is rendered on my screen is I, I use Bollinger Bands, uh, so that choppy line there, and then Keltner Channels, which is the smooth uh, blue river floating through there. When we have Bollinger Bands inside Keltners, that is simply put, that's just low volatility. And you really don't need these indicators to show you that that's low volatility. If I go to my screen here and I just uh, hide those two indicators, you can very much see that, well, not a lot's been happening. It's just been going up and down, up and down. And this is, we're talking, this is Brexit. This is the, you know, right in at the end of October was Brexit was supposed to happen. And, you know, we kind of sold off into it and we've just been going sideways ever since. Now, I haven't seen this much sideways compression, that tight of a, of a range for a long time. And we attempted today, the training day, to get outside it, but it didn't really happen. And just to expand it a little bit, and you know, we could possibly just drop back down and stay in there. That's not really, I mean, this isn't a class on trading. Uh, what, but what this is really saying to me is we are at, if, if for the past two years, we've been compressing our volatility historically, this could be close to an inflection point if we're at that tight of volatility on something like the pound, which has all the political risk, everything, you know, Brexit, uh, definitely changes of regime happening, you know, Boris Johnson, like so many different things of, of high volatility in the UK and Europe and the world, generally speaking, and not much is happening, further echoing what, what Alex was talking about. So uh, I think it's very interesting to pay attention to this, this pound position. If we take it out a little bit further, I, I've been looking at the monthly here, and we've compressed, and it's really for the past, uh, ever since Brexit, it, you know, really started to kick off 14 down to 16, 2016. Um, it's just really been sideways. And despite all the drama, despite everything that's happened since 2016 and the world being so volatile, the currencies like, like the pound and like the euro have just been drifting down to sideways. Again, you know, euro, all you hear about is just a constant selling. But for the last couple of years from 2015, almost we're coming up on almost five years, uh, it's just been going sideways. And so uh, to further echo what you were talking about, Alex, there is like, this is all happening. And I guess I want to, I want to come back to take this into oil. Look at crude. You know, people are coming out calling these massive runs in crude, huge run-ups. I see more sideways there. Pull out our, our natural gas, same sort of thing. It's just, yeah, it's been volatile. Yes, it's been volatile. But what's, what's happening here? It's just sideways. It's very, very sideways. We could take a look at wheat. Very volatile, and we're sideways. You know, it's across the board. There is a lot of, um, you know, gold is, is, we had a little run up this year, and you can see a slight upward twist to it. But again, it's all sideways. The only places that we're not really seeing a sideways action is the equity indexes. And this is a monthly chart. So this is going back to, you know, we can take this back to as far back as my platform ago, 1998. So 
we had a lot of indecision. You know, we had that big run up, dot com failure, run up to the financial crisis. And since the financial crisis, you know, at a price of 700, we're up over 3,000 now. Uh, you know, that's an unprecedented move. And, you know, this is not a popular opinion, but what reason do you have other than we've gone straight up to not be just sitting in that position? Like there's, you know, there, there's nothing to do in commodities. There's nothing to do in currencies. There's, you know, the equities. The only thing it has against it is it's, it's been going up. And when we have that, you know, when commodities are stable, when currencies are stable, when everything is just stable at this one level, that's a great environment, as you mentioned, Alex, to, to really just, you know, keep going higher. And I bring all that up. Let me make sure I'm not, I think I've covered everything there. Uh, yeah, that I wanted to. This will lead into Brandon. I want to talk to you because this is a, you know. This wait, is wait, wait. I just want to add something real, real quick. Before no, you you're finish, not allowed. Chris. Uh, just to add, add to what you were saying, I don't like, not, not to cut you off, anybody. I'm <laughs> but um, uh, uh, the great thing about these compression regimes, um, uh, Chris and I were talking, I think we did a podcast earlier this year, talking about the wine and gold um, back in like March or April or something like that. Uh, just looking across the precious metals, gold and silver, we had uh, extremely compressed volatility uh, in both. And we're saying, you know, a huge move is coming and, and you can be directionally agnostic. You just let the market yes. tell you where it's going to go. You just know a, a, there's a high probability that there's a big move coming. So, yep. um, and then following precious metals, we saw the same thing in bonds. You had extremely compressed volatility in bonds. And so we just knew a big move is, it was coming. We saw that in bonds. So now you look at the, the Forex market, primarily the, the G10 pairs. Um, it's, it's the last shoe to drop. And, and these are all interconnected too. And so there's some interesting relationships between like gold and dollar, which is kind of why I think the dollar's headed lower. But I mean, that's, I have that bias, but I'm going to listen to the market, right? And so uh, I just think that, I mean, gold and bonds have led the way. And so I think it, it, it's going to pay to pay very close attention to the Forex markets uh, over the coming months because uh, something big is, is happening. Um, and so I don't, you know, I don't know, it doesn't matter what the catalyst is, you know, whatever, whatever that is. I mean, we'll probably fit a narrative, uh, you know, post facto after the fact, once the move begins, but um, it's just, yeah, it's worth watching and that's it. Carry on. I know. I agree. It's uh, I mean, this year, the last two years, I'm, I'm, uh, I've been very lucky and, and happy to have been in this sideways mean reversion regime where I can just sell the rips and buy the dips and just boom, 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 boom. It is just it's printing money. So, um, but yeah, luckily we have, you know, the buy or the situation of just like, just get into the S and P and, and sit there. Um, especially with the market regime we're in, which was a bull quiet where, you know, we get, a strong down day or two or three or a week or something like that. And then just nice, easy drifts higher and new highs. And, you know, everybody on the, on Twitter is angry and complaining about it, but it happens. So, you know, if yeah, I mean, but tell, you know, re don't, repo, don't rates, that's snowing repo rates, Chris, I mean, come on. <laughs> Overnight lending. What, what, it was I mean, something. it's only going higher because the fed is doing stealth QE. Yeah. You know, <laughs> so if, you're being, if you're bullish right now, you're just, you're a fucking sheep. 
it's 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 like being <laughs> it's like being angry that it's snowing outside like you yeah. can be angry that it's snowing outside but you should put your jacket on and you know you still need to do things yeah and instead of snow it's money that's falling from the skies <laughs> sorry guys sorry yeah. it really sucks for you your twitter account goes up every time you throw something extremely bullish out there but your count not so much um you know which do you know nope. so weird how that works when we're looking for alpha we're looking to find ways to make more you know like outshine what is the greatest trade in history which is buying the s p when it goes down ever and then being long like try to outperform that uh we go to value we look to well we also look to macro and and one of the reasons in in macro ops that we have systems and quant and we have value in addition to just like you know resizing positions in gold and interest rates or whatever we you know in macro you have the ability to pop into what's working just you know it's macro so get into the places that are working find things that are working find places that other people are not and we have a specialist there brandon our local value guy um, and, and that is no indeed brandon balo it is not sergeant Berg bergdahl a captain <laughs> of the Taliban. You just wait a few more months the spirit's gonna get intense <laughs> <laughs> it is. So what are you looking at in the value space right now, sir, Brandon? Yeah, so right now it's uh, a lot of what I look at is I'm, I'm not really in the S&P, not really in the big uh, indices. So all the companies that I tend to look at are either, um, you know, like spinoffs, broken IPOs, uh, micro caps, nano caps. I mean, even going like $20 million in lesson in, in market cap is kind of where I like to play. And so, you know, I'm not going to be looking in the in the indices, which is which is great when the S and P tanks, but it's not great when, like you know, when Chris you said, when the S and P just all it does is go straight up. And if you're not invested in companies that are in the S and P, you know, you're not going to get that same that same exact rise. But you know, as as is a value investing approach, uh, sometimes the market zigs when you zag, and uh, hopefully you're you're zigging higher um, over time. And so I try, I don't. You know, I take more of a bottoms up approach naturally, just kind of take it company by company. And, you know, what I see is I see some themes as I go through my bottoms up approach. And so some of the themes that we've seen have kind of echoed what Alex and, and I and kind of the rest of us at Macrops have really chatted about in terms of sectors, beaten down, so like energy, oil and gas, shipping. It's these kind of names that have popped up on, you know, whether it's a loose screen or just, you know, kind of going through the ABCs on, um, you know, like a stock chart based on you know, free cash flow yield or, or EV to free cash flow. And you, know, you have a lot of shippers, a lot of oil and gas trading at you know, one times free cash flow, one and a half times free cash flow, or even you know, trading around net current asset value with some profitable stuff going on. And so, you know, so it's, it's kind of those areas there where I'm looking. And then also a lot of my research has led me outside the US, uh, particularly there's really four countries that I'm interested in right now. It's Russia, South Africa, Turkey, and Poland. I'm finding a lot of value in those in those four countries. Obviously, for a long time, Russia has been one of the cheapest markets uh, in the entire world. I think it's trading. I don't know the exact number, but I think it's trading sub six PE, maybe sub seven PE uh, on average as a country. And then I do know I just read a really good report that I actually put out on Twitter um, about South African equities. And uh, as a, as an aggregate, they're they're trading on average about nine times uh, earnings. And then. Finding a lot of value in Poland. Uh, I did a write-up for 
a value ventures letter a couple months ago for a Polish software company, um, Live Chat LVC, which is just a really sweet, you know, growing software as a service business. It's got awesome, awesome high margins, no debt, generates free cash, and you know, 15 times earnings. And so it's kind of hard to find those types of businesses in the U.S. But if you venture out and you and you you kind of clone what you like in the U.S. and you try to find something similar in in emerging economies or in other, you know formally developed uh, nations, you can find some interesting opportunities. So that's where my research is leading me. I'm not necessarily picking a country and saying, okay, go here, but I'm trying to see, okay, where is the value? And then, and then uh, I kind of let the value and the price and cheapness of assets lead me into certain territories where hopefully I'm fishing where there's the least amount of other fishermen so I can catch some fish that other people can't. We're heading into the end of the year right now. Um, this is something we're going to cover in a standalone episode, the, the Santa Claus rally and the uh, year end effect, the tax loss selling effect. Um, I know you're looking at a handful of names you got on your wish list there. Any of those you want to share yep. with us today? Yeah, yeah, sure thing. So I'm, I'm pulling up on my, on my phone here. Um, and kind of, kind of in general, I'm, I'm releasing that report. I think it's in a week or a couple, couple weeks, maybe, maybe mid-December is when I'm releasing that report. Basically, it's just kind of understanding, you know, what tax loss selling is, how to take advantage of it as value investors. Because a lot of the times the stocks we're looking at, at this point in the year, you know, they're down 40, 45, 50%. And what you can get into the habit of is buying these when you think that they're really cheap, you know, they're down 50%. But what you don't realize is a lot of these people, a lot of these investors that have ridden that loss all the way here, they're going to just sell, dump, take the tax loss. And then you'll see that 50% decline turn into 60, 70. And so, you know, I'm just kind of waiting on the sidelines now. And there's four names that I'm looking at. And not all of them, these actually aren't micro caps, nano caps, because what I've realized is a lot of the illiquid micro cap, nano cap spaces, um, you know, there's not necessarily, if there's, if there's not that many sellers, then there's not going to be that many people doing a lot of tax harvesting on really small illiquid names. So it's kind of the more liquid names that, that you're looking at to take advantage of the strategy. And so the four names I'm looking at are MetaFast, which is MED. I'm not a shareholder in any of these um, as of today, just for kind of um, disclosure purposes. So MetaFast, MED, then Kirkland's KIRK. That one's actually pretty, pretty small cap. I think that's the smallest, small cap, uh, the smallest cap we go. TripAdvisor, TRIP, and then GameStop, GME. And so is those Kirkland's, are the is, is is Kirkland's of Costco fame. Kirkland's is a specialty retailer, so they do home decor. Oh. Um, yeah, so it's not. I, I'm pretty sure it's it's not the Costco brand, but it's like the home decor, so like lamps and these kind of uh, you know like basic girly things going on over there. Kirkland's would make something like that. But uh, so, you know, it's a lot of these is just basically screening for companies that kind of meet my predetermined criteria of what I think a good investment would be. And then just seeing, okay, which ones have lost the most value and then try to understand if this value, if the share price decline is justified, if the business is actually deteriorating or is this, you know, just Mr. Market giving us a fat pitch that we can then wait on to take advantage of as, as the new year comes around. And and these aren't Brandon. These aren't just to clarify. These aren't long term buy buy and holds that you're looking at. They're like no. situation plays, basically. Yeah, it's 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 special situation plays where you're looking for you know if you can if you can take advantage of some severe dislocations via tax loss selling. So if you see something that's abnormal, um, you know if you know for instance 
Kirkland's or whatever, that, that company is close to net cash. So if you see a company basically like Kirkland's go straight into the end of the new year, um, you know, with heavy selling and is trading below cash, that's a special situation. Um, kind of what Warren Buffett likes to call workouts, where you just go in, you buy up the asset, and you hope that it returns to at least its net cash. And you maybe hope that there's some activist or catalyst correction going on. But these aren't um, quote unquote compounders. I mean, I'm not a huge fan of that phrase anyways, but um, yeah, these aren't, you know, your, your bag holders, five, 10 years coffee can type deals, but they could be, but that's not the goal of this strategy. So this is a, this is a tactic. You're um, just, let's, let's kind of merge this because, you know, I think a lot of people, let me come in from the systems quant side. A lot of people put themselves in this little box of, I'm a value person, a macro person, I'm a momentum person or, you know, whatever it is. And what you're talking about here is, is a quantitative strategy. Like mathematically, we've done the work, we've done the research, and we know that we have a probability, a higher probability of some of these names to get dumped. And then after the selling's done and people can take the tax loss, then the artificial seller disappears. And then people are like, well, I still like the name or, you know, like it comes back in. So um, what I want to point out is that uh, despite being, you know, labeling yourself or being labeled a, you know, a value investor, you're quite systematic in how you do a lot of your work, which I, in my opinion is, is kind of rare. A lot of people liked in, in the macro, or I'm sorry, in the, um, in the value space, like to hide behind the fact that it's going to take, you know, 10 or 15 years. And, you know, we don't know which one's going to do it. It's kind of like all this, like hiding behind, you know, time to, so they yeah. don't have to have an answer. Uh, whereas I've seen you dump positions that normal systems inv or I'm sorry, uh, value investors would continue to add or continue to, you know, put capital to work at. Whereas you're like, okay, well, maybe it's just not time. Like you have a more systematic approach to that, which this is, this is probably one of the best examples of that. Uh, you're finding value and you're finding a tactic that is a quantitative advantage. And, you know, in blackjack, we like to, it's generally, you know, if you're, let, let's say you count cards, not that anybody would ever do that, right? But the whole purpose of counting cards is to know when to bet heavy and to bet light. And so, you know, when, when you know that there's a bunch of kings, queens, jacks and aces and tens in the deck, that's when you wanna be betting heavier. When you know that there's very few, you don't want to bet that much. And that's exactly what this is. It's, it's like, we know that we're going to have the deck stacked closer to our end here. Maybe it's only a, you know, 50 or 60% advantage, but you know, we're going to take yeah. a calculated risk on them. So really. Yeah. 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 I mean, I do, uh, we can, we can always talk about this in another episode because this is kind of getting off on a tangent, but I, you know, I just, I just kind of agree that there's, that there's some things that you can overlay onto a value, like a deep value investing principle um, and kind of just like a deep value, um, philosophy and you can really bolster with some with some things and some tools from other areas of investing that uh, a lot of people like to just discount yeah yeah there, there's no reason to corner yourself into one thing and and not take advantage of math <laughs> and like you know other cool things that exist in the world so i i really enjoy that about your work um is there anything else we need to cover today um, we talked about the, the S and P, right? Didn't we talk about the S and P? I think you started off with S and P, didn't you? Like about I the did. about I, the I current would... current correction. Did you yeah. want to give two cents? 
my two cents are is is currently until proven otherwise it's uh we're going higher um yeah. i have a measured move technically speaking to 33 3500 on the spoos and then around 33k on the dow um you're looking at 33 to 30 wait what are you looking at 3300 to 3500 okay on the s&p so what are you saying? Yeah. Yeah. On SP. And that's, I, I don't think it's going to happen tomorrow, but if it does, I said it's going to happen tomorrow. So <laughs> that's right. Timestamp. Yeah, timestamp. Uh, no, I, I mean, I, I think it's just going to drift. I don't think we're going to get to, uh, if, if you move to 33, 3,500 quickly, that's a parabolic top. And that's when you'd want to be really looking to hedge, get short, get into cash, start looking for a different position. But if we drift there, that's not to say that that's the top. It's just that that's, you know, <clears throat> using some uh, classic yep. charting that, that gets us there. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you then. Uh, I think uh, we, we might see uh, this correction is probably going to play out for another week or two. Um, but it's something that should be bought. Stay long. No reason to worry yet. Nah. We had a strong close today, too. I mean, it was, uh, yeah. you know, week, week yesterday, tried to bounce, couldn't do it. Big weakness this morning, uh, all day, and then kind of put in a put in a short term bottom. I got long, uh, I got long Russell, um, and yeah, you know it's working itself higher. Yeah, I should, assume it we'll, still we'll is. We'll probably see a little bit of a bounce, I would think, into the end of the week. We'll see. Yeah, and it, as far as as far as my trading goes, is I'm I'm short term, so it's you know it's a day or two, maybe uh, that I'm looking to catch. But if it carries forward and and we continue with strength higher, that won't suck. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Well, I think that's good for, uh, we could wrap this up, head into our yeah. next statement. If you guys yeah. want. I think that's it. Hey, everybody who's paying attention, make sure to like and subscribe, ring that bell. So you get notified whenever we update this, obviously this is the most timely and important, uh, YouTube video in the world. So it would definitely make sense to, to subscribe and get an email every time we post something. So you're ready to go. Uh, We'll post the uh, we'll post the tickers in the um, in the link down below, and be sure to go to macro-ops.com and just find wherever you can to put your name and your email in there, and so you can get notified on all the different stuff we're putting out there. We put a lot of content out on our free email lists, um, really regularly. I think it's really great content, uh, stuff a lot of people aren't looking at. So it's. It's, free. it's it's the best content. <laughs> I've already said that. <laughs> totally unbiased opinion. Yeah, I shouldn't have said anything about that earlier and just let you come in with it. Um, so, uh, if you have anything you want us to look at, go ahead and uh, hit us up. You can hit at Macro Ops on Twitter, at Chris D, as in Delta Macro, uh, on Twitter, and Market Plunger one uh, on Twitter as well. All as also on top of that, all of our first names at macro-ops.com. If you have any specific questions uh, or, you know, want to donate to whatever my, the lack of Topo Chico up in my, uh, <laughs> whatever it is. Um, I'm sorry. For oh, we got a, we got a, um, <laughs> pour one out. <laughs> Uh, I think that's it. So uh, hit us up and uh, happy trading, everybody. Cool. Peace, guys.